Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I am Alex, your host, Gore. I'm here with Lance Luxury Division, guest on the podcast, shows up every time. Love it, Psycho. He's here. Yep. And before we get into it, let's get into a rocket ship and let's make that a Revit rocket ship and rocket our ship our skills to the moon. Go to RevitRocketShip.com. Check out what's there. Um, if you need to reformat, rethink, um, or start out, uh, learn the way to model correctly so that you get more rewards. RevitRocketShip.com. Al, do you know what, what's uh, crucial? What? Accurate data. Okay. Accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs with supply chain and staffing issues. These costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like Arcat.com is so important. Arcat works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free. Use Arcat's powerful search engine to find out what you need and download right there on their site without needing to pay anything or even register. So try Arcat.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. The other thing I wanted you to try out is I want you to try out PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm because when you go to that link, you will experience a collection of brands that brings your creative vision to life. The luxury division of Pella is a world-class collection of brands including Duratherm, Riley, and Benelli, all pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. During this year in 2023, we know how important it is to step back and spend time in gratitude. We appreciate all our clients trusting us with their projects in a record-breaking year. We are excited and ready to take the leap on the new year in 2023. The luxury division of Pella doesn't push beyond the limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. All right. Speaking of having accurate data, that relates to the chapter that we just read, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood in the seven habits. Next chapter is synergize. One little hack. Let's say you're having... Uh, an argument with your partner, your spouse, um, someone in business, a client. The seek first to understand, then to be understood is a, uh, is a shortcut to a solution. So instead of you know, them making their point, you making your point. Them making their point, you making their point. Stop yourself in the middle of that and then ask, oh, why, why do you want it to be that way? And keep digging in on that to really, really understand why they want it to be that way and have them explain it. Because not only then will you better understand it, you might then find, oh, in the explanation is actually what I want too, so we can come to a conclusion faster. Just a little hack there. Read that book. It's great. Moving on. Lance, you want to explain how laser scanning works? why everyone should be doing it? Or did you do that last time? Uh, so what I'm going to show is an inside look of how we Whoa. do it. So if you're watching on the YouTube, what you'll see pulled up, I want to show you guys. So I, I posted, we, we made the leap 
uh, November 8th, 2022, and purchased a 3D LiDAR scanner. Um, we used to rent one for each job, and it costing, was costing us about 2 k per rental. And now we landed at about $8,000 with all the accessories included, and I'll kind of go over them in detail with everybody. And it's been working phenomenally. So I went and scanned my first um, project of ours up in North Dakota a couple weeks ago. And um, I, I put I pushed it to the limits, and I'll talk about that a little bit. But everybody also asked when we originally purchased this, like, will you do a tutorial on it? Will you explain how it works um, so that we can just understand uh, how, how it works? It's super simple. Al's going to learn it at some point here. I already did. Oh, you did? You did with Tyler, right? Yeah. Didn't you? Okay. Yep. And, and I think it's just Gresh that needs to do it. Yeah. And we went over all this. Yeah, but yeah. I'm going to show you. So here's the inside look, okay? Uh -huh. So what I didn't share with everybody is the workflow. Didn't mm -hmm. I? You did. Did, you did. I? Okay, here's what I want to show everybody, okay? okay. Here's how I'm going to show. Here's, here's what, but here's what I want to show everybody is, uh, <clears throat> so basically, here's what we ended up buying. We ended up buying this big old tripod. Yep. Um, and it's like a Manfredo, Manfrotto 190X or something like that. And then here is our little case that it comes in, um, the actual head for the Matterport laser scanner. Yeah. So this is the head that it comes in, and then there's obviously a battery that goes with it um, that gets put into the this slot back down here. Okay. So <coughs> what w Rebecca put together this awesome tutorial for us. And uh, I know Al said we already went over it, but what I wanted to share with is one of the things that I would tweak that I've tweaked to this and I just wanted to mm. show everybody is that basically there's a couple of things to add to it. So I won't go through it in detail again now that Alex has sort of corrected me on that. But one of the things that she's she recommended is like you should only you should scan about every two or three feet apart. And I, I pushed it all the way to its limit with what I did. How far did you go apart? I went up to, I would try to, for example, now now let's look back at this diagram. Let's say I started, my first scan was a number one, you know, is the number one down here. Yeah. I would go all the way, instead of just two, I would go all the way to three. So you went about 15 feet. And now, um, yes. Yep. And Basically, think about it this way, is let's say I started in um, th this room. Yep. You only need about two scans, like and I, and the reason I tested its limits, you it, because once you do your second scan, it will try to recognize the first one, as you saw. Yep. And if it doesn't, okay, then then scale it back a little bit. I only had to do that about five times with two hundred scans to put into perspective. Yep. And then Rebecca, uh, you know, got the got the RCP and and the file for it from Matterport after we uploaded everything. <laughs> And she said it was fine. Everything was, your data was fine. When I went on site and did it, uh, we were about every eight feet. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know That's that. That's a good sort of in between, I feel like. Yeah. Where you can do it. Uh, then the other thing you're going to need is, don't forget this, is you have to buy an iPad. Um, and because that's what you're walking around with, and then it's talking in blue, via Bluetooth to your scanner. Okay. So that's one big tweak. I think like if, if you did make the leap and you are purchased this, then I, I highly recommend that uh, you just try to push it to its limit. See if you can get away with two scans per room. 
And then the other big thing to always keep in mind is like whenever you get to the windows, whenever you get to a mirror, you really need to mark that off as soon as possible because you'll forget about it. And then you'll also forget about levels. But you can reassign stuff. You can reassign previous scans to levels and everything like that. So like that was my first time doing it. So I had to do that with that. The last thing is uh, I would I forget what the term that Rebecca was using so once you get the file for Matterport, then you can, it was something like decentralize or de, desensitize it or something like that. Basically, you can scale down. Let's say you have, uh, let's, just as a, I'm going to throw out a number. Let's say you have it set to like 50. So the value is set very high. Uh, or let's say it's a scale of 1 to 100. When you're, when you're in the, the piece of software to then download your file and put it, or like export it rather, so that you can put it into Revit, this will clean it up. Mm. And so you can set, you can play with those settings. So I just want to encourage everybody, that's the biggest thing as I wanted to talk about today is like, if you're scared by this, I'm telling you as somebody who did it, it's it's like amazingly simple after, if you, especially if you have this like tutorial set up from your staff. Yeah. To do it. Um, and then Rebecca went to this laser scanning uh, conference, and that was her two-second lean, was figuring out how you, I think, can decentralize or de something like that. Desensitize. Desensitize it. That's what it was. There you're you go. Desensitize it. I wanted to say defrag like your computer. Yeah, you used to be able to do that. Do you think, like, I'll go to our alma mater. Do you think NDSU should have one of these, and yeah. we should talk to them and say, like, Oh, you I guys should for, but what I don't know what for. But. Well, well, this is where the, literally the thought just came to my head. So it's not flush out. Mm -hmm. um, hey, you should have a class or remember those senior, those electives that were like three credits when you got up or up higher and someone like Ben should run it to begin with and like, okay, scan the downtown buildings. Now they know how to do this. Now put your addition in between, you know, like there's lots that are empty in Fargo, right? Like, but like scan, have the model it. Then have it put it up, and and each year you can scan more of the downtown for real, and just make this super cool. Yeah, maybe yeah. it could be one of the elective professional courses or something like that. Yeah, like a technology course. And, and the Not only reason idea. I like it is because like this is gonna like when you go to a job interview, this can be one of your skills that you know how to do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, they'll blow, you'll blow their mind. You yeah. help them level up. So that that's why everybody should be doing it. That was the biggest thing is like. Look, we are, um, it, it's not, it's, it, I was genu genuinely intimidated a little bit to begin with. And then we're doing it one time. Not a problem. Everybody can do it. Sure. I could train the construction guys to do it. We could train, um, students, one of my, one of my children to do it. 13 year old Kaya. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. Um, I have a couple articles. One, I think we already went over, so I'll just go over it quickly. Sure. Um, but the great resignation. And if you could plug me in, Lance, the, uh, here, is now the great regret. 80% of job hoppers wish they hadn't quit their own role, their old roles. So there's really two uh, sentences in here. So funny. I'm serious. Like, I'm sorry. Just all the, everybody just jumping on bandwagons. Yep. So, uh. Both job openings and the number of individuals quitting uh, reached record highs during the pandemic, counting 4.5 million quit quitters in November. 
job openings reached more than 11 million a month later. That is, that is so much. That is so large. Um, so a lot of them left for better pay, which is fine, but it states yet those who did jump ship for better pay and work-life balance, the vast majority uh, still admitted they wanted their old roles back. Um, Gen, Gen Z are the most likely to regret moving roles. Mm -hmm. Those who switched industries were also 25 more likely to hanker for the previous sectors than those who stayed within their trade. I think there's a lot to, to balance. And I think um, you, everyone should know when they are, when someone's trying to hire them, I didn't include ourselves on this. They are trying to sell you on their firm. Yeah. And it, it's somewhat a marketing and there's of course buyer's remorse, but um, you should know that you're getting a marketing view of that company. Yeah, we do this. Oh yeah, you get better pay. Oh yeah, our work, our balance, our culture is awesome. Well, you don't, you honestly don't know that. Yeah. You don't know that. And they might not know that because they haven't been to, you know, sure. like other firms. So if you had a great culture, um, Maybe you negotiate for higher pay. Um, maybe you realize that you're in a good situation. I think you just got to think about it, you know, more seriously. What the, it's always the old, is the grass greener on the other side of the fence? I'm not sure it is every time. I mean, it's like you're taking a risk by just trusting that it is versus what it isn't. And unfortunately, right, let's say you jump ship, you're probably not going to get let back in the door. If, if the grass was, in fact, greener where you started from. Oh, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Second article. <clears throat> Listen to this, Lance. Fed needs a recession to win the inflation fight study show. Yahoo! Good, 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 good. So this study looked at 16 episodes since 1950, including six in the United States and others. So 10. Just do the math, right? Mm -hmm. In Germany, Canada, UK in which central banks used interest rates to engineer disinflation, which the research defined as a decline in the inflation rate of around 2% or more. We find no instance, also means zero, <laughs> in which a significant central bank-induced disinflation occurred without a recession. No instance. And also, I, I want people to have some perspective, right? So here's a, a couple different, I'll, I'll just go with one with the recession. Me and you know specifically that it was, I think it was September 2008 yeah. when like the crash happened. But Lance, me and you noticed a, a change in the economy during the Christmas break eight, mm. nine months before because we even said like, hey, I don't think people realize what's going on. We need to get our portfolios in order and start sending out job stuff. Yeah, And we even realized that because we were talking to our professors, we weren't getting as many callbacks and we weren't getting the offers as quickly as the year before. So a lot like I still hope my prediction is right. That April is the low. I still hope that it's all right, but these things take longer than people think. Like we remember it as this oh, September, boom, it happened. No, 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 no. There was, there was a buildup there. So that's just my thoughts. I, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. First, first thing though, before I get into my thoughts is, uh, is the annual inflation rate for the United States is 6.4%. Uh, 
And so the next one, um, the next one you should be looking for is in about two weeks, March 14th, they're going to give us an inflation update. We'll see if they're continuing to tamp it down. And then if they are, then Al, I think, is probably trending right about his April prediction. We'll have to see about that. Uh, so <coughs> here's what I think is happening on the ground in the economy, right? Yep. Is um, this is only for us. But in being in business now for 13 years, we have noticed a trend in Colorado. And it seems like uh, it, some of it maybe has to do with the weather. I mean, we've had a very cold winter. But uh, we're sitting in a building where we actually poured footings in December and so it was it was fine yeah. everything's fine so you can still work throughout the years while i'm trying to get my point across is about that <clears throat> it seems like we get all of this momentum that happens starting after tax season every year mm. there's a whole everybody everybody's paid their everybody's figured out how much they owe uncle sam or how much they're getting back from uncle sam business-wise personal-wise all of that then they're ready to finally start planning or and or saving for their remodel their addition their new business that they're going to build, whatever it is. We start building momentum with increased inquiries, increased contracts being signed all the way to the end of the year. And it really get, actually gets pretty crazy at the end of the year. All good and grand. We continually raised fees all throughout the year last year because that's what we were seeing. And then what I was hoping is, is that this would, in the 13th year of business, we would finally be in a in a place where it would be like ah now after the holiday break so you're building all this momentum up to the holiday break then the holiday break happens um i take time off i'll take time off we all take time off everybody's also spending a ton of money over the holidays on travel presents whatever and and then also businesses need to offload so they get taxed less because they need to reduce the amount of profit they're showing on their balance sheets and everything then the first of the year comes around and from a business owner standpoint, again, I'm hoping for like maybe then the 13th year we'll finally be able to carry that momentum over and level up again. Wrong. So we had like I had like 20 emails out ready to go. I had all kinds of meetings lined up with people, and sure enough, the, the everybody basically kind of reeled back and reassessed where they were at finance-wise, where the economy's headed, all of that kind of stuff. And sure enough, there's the lull. So now, so it's like, all right, where are fees actually at after that reset that we've noticed that happens every single calendar year? And for us, what we're noticing is, uh, at least from my perspective is, and the projects that I have landed, it seems as if from the high last year to where they're at right now, it's about a 30% drop. I mean, if you zoom out further, like Al keeps pointing out in our internal meetings, like, yeah, but the fees are still overall bigger than what they were before. But there's there's definitely at least what we're seeing and what I'm seeing anyway is like the bottom right now to be able to win contracts in this very in the very early season of business, which is January and February. And it's also really cold, so I don't know if that has a factor in everything in the psychology of what everything's doing. But then remember I started this little rant about tax season. Well tax season, we're right I mean Al and I have our tax meeting next week or the week after or whatever. So we have to start planning for that stuff too. So if you're feeling discouraged, just know that, that that's where we're coming from right now. We have seen this now for over a decade, over and over and over again. And maybe it's just going to always be like this. I have no idea. Um, the key to your survival is going to be 
how you can find that bottom. And I know architects hate hearing that of like, oh, it's just a race to the bottom with fees. Well, I don't know what to say because the other factor I didn't mention, I'll mention now is like how many architects that are listening to this show or that they know of other people had, um, didn't, didn't have their backlog written into their software so they know how big is their backlog of work money-wise, like what you have billable-wise, and then how many people were just satisfied with not even going after enough work to carry them through this slow period at the beginning of the year, and then they're like, the first they they finish all their most of their work oh, by man. the end. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. They take their holiday break, then all of a sudden they're like, holy cow, it's January third. Oh my God, we don't have any work. Yeah. Oh God, we got to get work. Now we're in panic mode. Race to the bottom. Yeah. Yep. That's my thoughts on it. Well, and then also, too, like, it's just the macroeconomic comes down to the micro, and it, and it translates, and, and that's what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and uh, they literally printed money to have a, a, a party, and, and, <laughs> and now they're taking away money and increasing interest rates not to, not to have a party. So, yeah. like, it, it, it's crazy because... What's upsetting about it is it leads businesses to do a race to a top, meaning a race to higher pay, a race to steal other employees, a race to, to grab that. That was the race we incurred last year. 100%. Right. And, and, and here's the hard part about it. Here's what's upsetting about it is let's say it goes longer than what I hope. Mm. Right. It, that means layoffs. That means lay, layoffs are not fun. They are life changing events. Right. Um, traumatic, it, traumatic. And all of a sudden it's, it's probably going to be those, those new people, right? Because they also have those higher salaries that, that need to be cut. And also when you're new, you're not, you're not the most efficient, like getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to someone and he, Oh, a, a friend of mine, different industry and all that. He's like, yeah, I've been there for a month. And he's like, he's like, I'm so frustrated. I'm like, why are you so frustrated? It's like, because I feel like I'm not contributing because I'm learning all these, these Ooh, new systems and all that. That'd be frustrating. Anyways. So if that all happens, then, then, then all of a sudden you have these traumatic events where if they didn't literally spike the punch bowl, yeah, you wouldn't have had those and you would have just continued on your normal increases, normal production, stuff like that. So like, I don't want to point fingers, but like <laughs> I'm pointing some fingers. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the mic, the macro to the micro. I'll give you a, a, exactly an example that points to fees, a contract that we just won. Then we had to suppress fees by 30%. Yeah. So it's a, de- so there was this developer, it's a multifamily project and he, we actually got, it was such a good conversation. And then, cause we were both like, I was just like, just, just, I, I just said, just tell me like exactly where you want to be at yeah. and why you want to be there. And he was, I was like, thank you. I was like, that's all I needed to hear. I just needed to know like what everybody can only afford what they can afford to get things off the ground. That's the way it works. Yeah. Done. So, uh, he basically said, he goes, look, going into this year, my price point per unit is X. And he goes, and what that means is when I put that into my pro forma, I have to get your fees, the other engineers and stuff like that. And he's like, dear, this is where they have to be in order to make this equation work. Yeah. So the micro, the macro is squeezing it in that regard as it pertains to 
like if you're working for developers. That's the bottom line, and it just their bottom line is what it is, and it has to work out in that kind of way. Yep. So connecting all the circles, the big lessons to me is you always have to pay the piper. You have to pay the piper, right? So this next article, um, I don't know if you were going to talk about it or me, but I'll... No, it's all you, homie. Okay. You're Mr. Yahoo. This week in Biden economics debt boom. (laughs) I Uh, thought you made that title up for a second. Okay, keep going. No, no, no. And it's just a graph (laughs) of the debt. And this is where I'm going with, with you have to pay the piper. Okay. And Democrats and Republicans... There's an easy way to think about this, and then we can argue about what to use tax money on and what to spend money on, right? So it's just a chart, oh right? Gosh. All the way to 2005, we are about, the max was $7 trillion in debt. Right now, in 2020, we're at $30 trillion. And people will argue, and I actually love this argument because it makes complete sense. It's yeah. like, oh, we can spend trillions of dollars on, let's just say, the Army mm-hmm. or the military, but we can't fix pipes in Detroit, you know, or we can't have social safety nets. I'm like... Yeah, that actually, that actually does make sense. But yeah. here's the problem. You can't pay with it through just more debt. And here's why. You know you have to pay the piper, or you should know. Yeah. Because eventually, you'll have to pay the piper. So what should be the amount that the government should spend, right? And there's been studies about it, and it's proven, and it makes rational sense, and I'll say it again. Because then maybe... We can stop all the fear mongering and yeah. stop ta- talking past each other and try to understand where other sides are coming from so that we can get a solution. First, seek to understand, then to be understood. Okay. The government should only spend what it brings in plus an additional amount of what inflation is. Okay. So they should spend exactly the amount of tax money they bring in. Yeah. Inflation's at 6% this year. They spend that tax money plus 6% because essentially by the time they spend it, it's going to be eaten up in the growth. And that's what states already have to do. Yep. Yep. Then you don't have to pay the piper. Then we can argue about like, hey, instead of just saying we should pay for this and pay for this and pay for this and keep adding it onto that, say we have this amount of money. Should we spend this on um, just to save the same analogy? And I'm not saying that this is the right argument. More missiles or more pipes? Like... Then let's have that. Yeah. Let's have that discussion then. And, you know, um, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually sick of people just blaming the other side and then blaming them and saying, like, you're evil. You just want missiles or, um, hey, you just want to give everyone free stuff when it's really like, can we at least structurally set up our country correctly and then have these things, then have these uh, debates? Um, Rant over. Rant over. Rant over. Good stuff, Al. Uh, yeah, pay attention to it. I mean, find your bottom. Again, like we're, we're trying to show the macro and the micro here so that everybody understands. Like, you, like It's like a, it's, it's, a, it's a way of being stoic. So you know you're like, I can't end the Fed tomorrow. I can't get out of this system. Okay, I'm operating in this system, right? What, what, how, where do I figure out how I maintain where my position in the system and hopefully thrive a little bit. You gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have to figure out the bottom in this first quarter. Like everybody's trying to figure out the bottom right now. This first quarter. Mm-hmm. That's that's the conclusion. I mean, the whole the title of the episode is "Where's the bottom of this market?" We're we're all trying to figure it out. So figure it out. Sounds good. Okay. Well, let's bring down the crew and figure out some answers to these ARE questions. Yeehaw.
Question number one. In the construction industry, relating to sound, what does IIC stand for? Is it A, International Insulation Classification? Is it B, Internal Impact Classification? Is it C, International Impact Class? Or is it D, Impact Insulation Class? My questions are. Uh, ow. <laughs> Is it IIC, 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 or IIC? <laughs> All right, what do we got? B. See, just guess. B. It is D, impact insulation class. Okay. For question number two for multifamily dwellings, the International Building Code, which is the IBC, specifies a minimum IIC, which is the impact insulation class rating of blank. What is it? A 25, B 45, C 100, D 50. What is it? B, D, D, D 50, same as sound. Bam. All right, number three, what is the maximum allowable horizontal deflection limit for a tall building in high seismicity zones as recommended by the American Society of Civil Engineers, otherwise known as ASCE, and the International Code Council, ICC? Is it A, one one-thousandth of the building height? This will actually be on the test. B, one seven-hundred-and-fiftieth of the building height. C, one five-hundredth of the building height or D, 1 2 50th of the building height. So basically, what is the deflection laterally, right, for tall buildings in high seismicity zones? One, one, is it A, 1 1,000th, B, 1 750th, C, 1 500th, or D, 1 250th? Uh, Jason says C, Rebecca C, C. Correct answer is C, correct. Good job. You guys, job. yeah, this makes sense. Wow, okay. Uh, looks like we have a tiebreaker. Good. Number four, which of the following factors is not typically considered in the design of an HVAC system for large commercial building? Is it A, building and orientation, B, building occupancy type, C, building location, or D, building interior finishes? <laughs> a, building orientation, B, Building occupancy type. C. Building location. D. Building interior finishes. Come on, Reeves. Just be brave. Correct answer is D. Building interior finishes. What do we got? How many? Three, three, three. three. Tiebreaker time. All right. Oh. Okay. Okay. Guys, get your guns out right quick. <laughs> yeah. We talked, uh, talked about IIC ratings, but now, per the IBC, walls separating dwelling units shall have a minimum STC. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Damn. All right. He wrote it. <laughs> Fantastic. Where are we going to eat? The post. The post. Okay. Cool. Lance, you give him a card. Uh, if you can, do you have one? Yes, I will give you guys a perfect. We'll explain later. Thanks for having us. Uh, if you like this episode, you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to like, subscribe, leave us a positive comment. If you're listening on Trustly on iTunes, please leave us a five star review. We will see you next week.